0: You bore witness to the truth, and we want to dive in with both feet. Holy Spirit, guide us into all truth. Help us to see what you see, hear what you hear. Know your voice, Lord, and live in the freedom thereof. We ask it in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. I'm very excited about this morning. We're talking about the centrality of Jesus. He is the only foundation that should be laid, whether it's a foundation for marriage, family, church, grace church. He's the only foundation that should be laid and then built upon. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. Paul writes, No one should lay any foundation other than that which is already laid, Jesus Christ. Amen. For the church to be relevant, we don't need... You know, smoke and mirrors and gimmicks and gadgets. If the church wants to be relevant to humanity, offer them Jesus Christ. Every human being is made by Him and for Him. He is their native land. He is their homecoming. I've never seen anybody make connection and oneness with the Spirit of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about human beings and be like, man, this is a terrible idea. I should have never done this. His yoke is so heavy. It's not. His yoke is easy. His burden is light because it's the one you're made for. So we're building upon him. Last year we looked at knowing his person, knowing his works. This year we're looking at knowing his teaching. We're going to be followers and disciples of Jesus Christ. We want to know his teaching. And then, of course, we want to obey him. I uh, want to make mention this morning, as I as I try to do each Sunday morning, aligning values of Grace Church. If you're new to uh, Grace Church, new with us, we live under God's new covenant economy. We live connected to him we want to live, uh, take advantage, live in the reality of our oneness with Christ. We get our identity from Him, not from what other people say. We put God on display. And then, of course, we make disciples. We want to invest in other people. I did want to share with you this morning when we talk about, because it's a little bit applicable in what we're saying with these spiritual disciplines, that we live under God's new co- covenant economy. And here's our verbiage. Knowing God is Christ-like. Jesus said, if you've seen me... You've seen the Father. John 10.30, he said, uh, I and the Father are one. John 18, John 12.45, and the list goes on and on. In John 12.45, he said, whoever sees me sees the one who sent me. Talking about the Father had sent him. So knowing God is Christ-like, that, he came to save, not to destroy. Three times, Jesus said to someone I didn't come here to destroy men's lives. I came to save them. So this is the heart of God of the new covenant that we're in right now. Amen, everybody. This is the heart of God to save, not destroy the sinner. We wholeheartedly then reject transactional living and embrace the relationship Christ has freely given us. He didn't ask you to earn it, but he does ask you to dance with it. Live like it's true. Receive it. Let his life permeate your being. Uh, loving Him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So in talking about knowing Jesus' teaching, we want to know what He says, but we want to obey Him as well. This is Matthew 7, 24. Jesus said, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Everybody say, and does them. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house. But it did not fall, it was unshakable, for it was founded on the rock. And then verse 29, you know, 28 says that they marveled at him. Why did they marvel at Jesus? Verse 29, For he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. That word authority, if you eat that scripture, eat the word, or you Bible hub it, or Strong's Concordance, means that Jesus taught according to the nature of reality. He was never uh, sermonizing. He was never philosophizing. He's just saying, This is the truth. You must come to terms with it. This is not a fancy saying. Whoever hears what I say and does it, will have victory over natural storms of life. Things that happen to you in the natural world, your faith, right? First John 5, 4 and 5, this is the victory that overcomes the world, the natural world, even our faith. John 16, 33, in the natural world, you'll have tribulation and trial, distress and frustration. That's the amplified. But be of good cheer, Jesus said, I have overcome the natural world for you. I have given you access to the realm and the dimension of the spirit. So when he teaches, it has backing. Like everything in the universe, everything created backs. It doesn't land with a whisper. It hits with a thud when he speaks because it is reality. We do not determine the truth, we come to know the truth and we learn to participate with truth. And I've given you the scripture, I'll give it to you here in a moment, out of John chapter 18, how he bore witness to the truth. Because if you're new here to Grace Church, uh, we want you to know the Lord's voice. There's nothing more important than being able to hear his voice, utilizing scripture through the Holy Spirit. We want you to hear his voice, but we want you to be able to do what he says, to apply the truth not just hear it study it learn it but walk it out and apply the truth. Here's John 18:36 Jesus tells Pilate, "My kingdom is not of this natural world." Okay, literally translated means it's not of earthly origin. It didn't originate in the seen realm. My kingdom is of the unseen realm. If my kingdom were of this natural world, my servants would fight. We'd have a war and I wouldn't be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Verse 37, Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus said, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born. And look at this. For this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Most people are not bound by demons. They're bound by listening to the wrong voice. Or they assign too much value to what other people are saying. And they undervalue what the king of the universe says about them. Like they know more about themselves than what the king of the universe who made them knows. You know God knows more about you than you know about you. So the most humble thing you can do is agree with who He says you are. And if you're born again, He says you're His. Eternally. That He put the down payment of your inheritance, the promised Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You're His possession. Praise God. Amen? Amen. We belong to Him. So let's... uh Let's understand that as he bears witness to the truth, life in the spirit, everyone who is of that realm, the spirit and truth, can hear his voice. Look at John 8.31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide, live, remain in my word, that's logos, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So truth isn't something you determine. There is no my truth, partial truth, whatever. There's only God's truth. And as human beings, we didn't invent it. We just get to come to terms with it. But if you, this word know, if you know the truth is a oneness term, it means if you participate with it, you agree with it, you walk in it, you're going to live a free life. It's not just talking about head knowledge. Truth is a person. Jesus said of himself that he is the truth. So since Jesus taught spirit, Jesus bore witness of spirit and truth. And I read it earlier in John 14. Remember, he said that the world, when he sends you the Holy Spirit, the world uh, can't receive the Holy Spirit. Why? What did he say about the world? They can't receive him. Why? They can't see him. So he's telling Pilate, I'm bearing witness of an unseen realm. It's called truth. I'm bearing witness of life in the Spirit. 1 John 5, 6 says the Spirit is the truth. So we want you to be able to walk in, live in, be aware of, and act on truth. Apply the truth on a daily basis because the truth is the parent realm. The Spirit is the realm you came from. Amen? God formed you from the dust of the ground, but when did we stand up in the book of Genesis? When did we become a living being after He breathe in us. And then after the cross, Jesus, first thing he does is go immediately to the disciples in John chapter 20, verse 22. And it says he breathed on them and said, what? Receive. Receive. Uh, re means again, once again, receive means to possess the Holy Spirit. So we came from the realm of the spirit. God is Spirit. Scripture talks about that everything that's in the seen realm came from the unseen realm. It is the parent reality. Amen. So therefore, 3 John chapter 1 verse 3, this is the Passion Translation. I was filled with joy and delight when the brothers arrived and informed me of your faithfulness to the truth. They told me how you live continually in the truth of Christ. That is our heart's desire. Oh, I just want to get on my knees and implore you. We want you to live continually in the truth of Christ. The real reality, not what the world is selling you. Regurgitated flesh over and over again. They're like, lap it up, lap it up, sensationalize it, here it comes, we'll sell it, we'll repackage it, we'll give it to them. There's no life in the flesh. That's like a fish. How many of you know, according to Genesis, God spoke to the seas to bring forth fish. So, so water is in fish. Cause fish came from water. We're like the fish sitting in the, in the, in the water looking at the beach thinking, man, I know there's life in that. (laughs) Did you know if a fish jumps out of the water onto dry land, you don't have to kill him. Death is inevitable. God said if you eat of this tree, if you declare independence from me, from life in the Spirit, you'll surely die. Separation is exactly right. A fish separate from the water cannot live. Life is in the Spirit. Jesus said in John 6, 63, My words are Spirit and they are life. His words, He said, I bear witness to the truth. Whoever is of the truth hears My words. If you're My disciples, you'll abide, you'll live and remain in what I say, My spiritual words. He who has ears to hear, Revelation, the whole letters to the churches are all about whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the... What's it say? The Spirit is saying. So just like you have physical ears, you have spiritual ears. And that's where your life is. Do you assign more value to what you hear with your physical ears or what you hear your Father Creator whisper in your heart? Assign more value to what's coming to you from the unseen voice rather than the natural voices around you. You do not determine the truth. This is, this is what is so sad. I don't want you to get up to heaven one day and be like, I can't believe all that was true about me. I can't believe I possessed all that pertained to life and godliness. Amen. And I never spent one minute walking in the real reality. Oh, I don't want that to happen to you. I don't want you to get to heaven and meet Jesus and be shocked. I want you to know what He's like Here. Know his person, know his personality, know his character, and know his spirit. Come on, give him praise in the house of God. Know those things now. Why does this matter? This is what he preached. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, if you think we're going to know God in heaven, Jesus brought a way for you to know God in the earth. He brought the spirit of heaven with him. That's how the kingdom came. Luke chapter 1. around verse 33 through 35. Mary asked the angel a very valid question. How is this going to be? How is there going to be a king in his kingdom? How is this going to happen? I don't know a man. Know a man. Okay. We just read John 8, 32. If you know the truth, same Greek word. How can this be, says, I don't know a man. What what did the angel say? What was the first thing out of his mouth? The Holy Spirit will come. So, and then, then he says, And then the power, dunamis, the power of the highest will overshadow you, Mary, and you'll bring forth, it'll be conceived in you, the Son of God. And just like the Holy Spirit conceived Jesus inside of Mary's womb, he comes and he conceives Jesus inside of your heart's spiritual womb. Not a physical womb, womb, but a spirit, and you are able to bring forth the Son of the Living God to manifest Him. That when people see you, they can see Him because He's in there. Does that make sense to you? So if the if the Kingdom of God came in Luke one via the Holy Spirit, how does He come today? His His rule comes by the Spirit. Second Corinthians three seventeen, the Lord is the Spirit. <laughs> I thought Jesus was Lord. He is Lord, but He lords human beings by the Spirit. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is lording Brian, there's liberty. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Jesus called the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth in John 14, John 15, and John 16. Three times He called Him the Spirit of truth. So that's, that's how it happens. Boy, I went on a divine rabbit trail there, didn't I? (laughs) We want to continually live in the truth of Christ, the real reality, spirit and truth. Lord, if there's something else with Mary that I was supposed to say, just bring that back to me. Verse 4, it is the greatest joy of my life to hear that my children are consistently living their lives in the ways of truth. Amen. So here at Grace Church, we want you to see the amount of time every day that you're living in the real reality of who God says you are, who you are as a new creation. We want the amount of time you're you're spending acclimated to truth to increase every day and not live a false narrative. Oh, yeah, man, that's I was talking about, thank you, Holy Spirit, I was talking about uh, the Holy Spirit and, and coming to Mary. Jesus brought what was over there. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The kingdom is the will of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So when he's lording you, his will is trumping yours. And so Jesus brought the Spirit of heaven to you so that you could know God here. See how he tied all that back together? It's amazing. I'm not smart enough to figure all that out. <laughs> but you, we know God in heaven, right? We know him by the Spirit. Well, we, you can know him here by the Spirit because Jesus brought the Spirit of heaven here and put him inside you to reveal God to you. Give you a relationship, a living, vibrant, heart-to-heart relationship with God here. Right? You've heard the song, Everybody Will Be Happy Over There. Some of you older folks. Everybody will be happy over there. What if, what if who's over there came over here? Right, Paul? (laughs) When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing it'll be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory. Well, that must be why I'm singing and shouting now because I've seen Him. I've already seen Him. Does this make sense to you? Say, Brother Steve, I... I don't know about it. You're talking about seeing Jesus. Well, I don't see Him physically. I see Him in the Spirit. I have eyes in the Spirit. I have ears in the Spirit. You know He's there. He talks to you. And if you haven't seen Him, ask to see Him. It'll humble you. Because humility doesn't come from comparing yourself to other people. It comes from comparing yourself to Christ. That's how you get humility. But John 14:21. put it in your notes. You can read it. For lunch today. John 14, 21. Jesus said, whoever loves me will be loved by the Father and loved by me. And listen, and check out the Amplified Version. It's awesome. And I will come and show myself to him. I'll allow myself to be clearly seen by him. Whoever loves me. Amen. Luke eleven ten. 10. Whoever seeks, finds. Whoever asks, receives. Jesus said that. Can he lie? So seek him. If you've not seen him by the Spirit, ask him. Everybody okay? So we want the amount of time you're spending every day to in, in truth to increase. I don't want you living in the nasty natural, trying to derive life out of it. And we want you to know him, know truth, know his message, know the gospel so well. You can share it with others at a very high level. But you're not trying to share your grandma's faith or Brother Steve's faith. You know him yourself. Amen. It's like George Washington in your history books. You read a lot about George Washington. You were tested on George Washington. You had a lot of information on George Washington. But had he come to your classroom for 200 days of the school year, you'd really know him. That's the difference. We don't want you just having even just a scriptural knowledge of a historical person of Jesus. We want you to know him by the Spirit and the Word. I tell you, the scriptures came alive to me after I met Jesus. <laughs> Where's that scripture at on the road to Emmaus? Because remember, he he opened the scriptures to them and totally changed their world. Luke 24. Luke 24. Lord, Lord, we need road to Emmaus experiences where you come and you heighten and enlighten the scriptures to us. Boy, I better get going. I'm I'm way behind. All right. So how do we walk in truth then? How do we live the real reality? A renewed mind. Where's Christy Gamma's? She here this morning? Hey Christy. So Christy Gamez says this week, by way of, of Gretchen, and she shared it with me, that in Romans twelve two, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word renewing is a noun, mm-hmm. not a verb. So if you eat that scripture, that's what she was doing, eating it, just uh digging into it, Bible hub, all that. A renewed mind is something that only God can do. He gives you... Now, this this is totally confirmed with 1 Corinthians 2.16. You have the mind of Christ. In your spirit, you have the mind of Christ. That's what spirit says. That's, that in him, there's an anointing, 1 John, that you know all things in Christ. So you have the mind of Christ. Well, that's the same principle here that a renewed mind is a noun. And uh, so that's one of the ways we walk in truth is a renewed mind. What do we do? Put on the mind of Christ. Yeah. Put on the mind of Christ. Take your natural thoughts and your natural brain and align it and submit it to the mind of Christ. Ephesians four twenty two. Listen to this. Put off the old man which is growing corrupt by deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And put on the new man. Remade according to the image and likeness of Christ himself. Okay, number two, we walk by faith and not by sight. The opposite of walking by faith is you living by what you see and your five senses every day. Jesus paid a high price to give you access to the realm of the Spirit, so don't just be driven by the natural. Amen. Number three, redeem spiritual disciplines from a new covenant perspective. That's why I wanted to show you that one of our aligning values is that you're able to relate to God through the new covenant lens. The terms, there's five terms of the new covenant in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 8 through 13. You can find them all there. And all five of them start with God saying two amazing words. I will. I will be your God and you will be my people. So in the Old Testament, it's if you do this, then I'll do this. But then the new covenant, God says he's going to do it. Would you like to receive it? There's nothing you can do. I'm going to do it. And if you want in on it, receive it by faith. So the, the disciplines, living a disciplined life, very important because spiritual disciplines acclimate us to the real reality that Jesus bore witness of. And the Lord's asking that we recapture here at Grace Church the value of things like fasting and prayer. But from a new covenant lens... Fasting and prayer doesn't make God love you more. Or now you're holier than the next guy or something. You're not even fasting to move God. God's already moved. Fasting and prayer help you align with the real reality, what's already true about you, what's already available to you. You're not conjuring God. But that's how I was taught. And I bet over half the people in this room were probably taught at one time or another that we fast and we pray so we can somehow get God to move. God's already moved. Truth is established. Truth doesn't change. Truth is fixed, man. Live in it. (laughs) That's right, Roger. God's not getting new information about you on a daily basis. Could you imagine... He is telling Jesus and the angels, Well, you know, I've been watching Ron and Danny. I'm getting a lot of new information about them today. I don't think I love them as much today as I did yesterday. <laughs> what in the world? See how silly we are? It's silliness. Recapture, listen to me, prayer as listening. That's New Covenant prayer. Prayer as listening. Prayer as receiving When's the last time that you utilized your prayer time to just receive from the vine Jesus Christ to be still and listen to the voice that says good things about you. And He washes you with His Word. Just taking time to uh, pray in the Spirit. It builds your most holy faith. Yeah, it builds up your most holy faith. And then sitting in the presence of the Lord. Sitting in Scripture. How about meditation? Everybody say meditation. Meditation. That's a good spiritual, biblical discipline. Public worship. It was a discipline for you to come today. You didn't have to come. Amen? So it's part of a disciplined life as a follower of Christ that I'm engaged with and participate with public worship. Are you ready for the other one? Private worship. <laughs> Be as disciplined as in, uh, in engaging Jesus in private worship as you are in public worship. Amen. Matter of fact, if you want to be most effective at expressing Jesus in public, spend more time with him in private. Amen. Amen. One anothering. I love that term. Everybody say one anothering. All this is like during greeting time or we stay after church because we love each other and we encourage each other. And hey, the Lord gave me a scripture for you or we're just one anothering. You know how many times the New Testament says encourage one another, exhort one another, love one another, forgive one another, comfort one another. I mean, it's all throughout the New Testament. So the body of Christ uh, ought to be about one anothering. Right. We intentionally invest Christ in each other. Yeah. Listen to this. Developing others is part of a disciplined life, being a disciple. Um, here you go. You might want to take a picture of that because that's everything I just listed. And I forgot I had a slide. <laughs> Fasting, prayers, listening, one anothering. We intentionally invest in others. Helping develop others as part of living a disciplined life. It takes discipline yeah. to really say, you know what, I'm not watching football today. I need to call Ron and invite him over. amen 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 so let's recapture the value of those things but from a right heart you're not doing them for a relationship with god you already have that you're doing it from your relationship with god amen somebody when i was 20 years old and going to northeastern state university in Tahlequah, i was a college baseball player i was a pitcher and the lord came into my room And the reason he came into my room at college was because I was completely jacked up. My my thinking of what Christianity was, was entirely performance-based and transactional. So he told me, Steve, I like the fact you go to church, you even give money. I had no money, and I'd still give money when I went to church up in Tahlequah. I had a church back here, but a lot of times I had to stay over because we had games on the weekend. And so uh, I love that you you help people, you give money, you go to church, you know, you read the Bible and all that. He said, uh, but all that's rooted in unbelief because you're doing it so I'll love you and I already do. <laughs> he said, I don't love you because of what you're doing or not doing. I love you because of who I am and you don't have the power to change my character and how I feel about you. <laughs> I'm like, say What? Oh my goodness, I've been, I've been performing like a madman for seven years. I got saved when I was 13, and for seven years I was performing for him, trying to get him to love me. And he said, Steve, you're dating me. You're trying to create love. You're doing stuff for me, trying to create love inside of me for you. You don't need to date me. I'm already yours. You're mine and I'm yours. So again, should we should we recapture spiritual disciplines? Do we need to be sitting with the Lord about, Lord, would you like me to fast? Would you like me to pray? Would you please lead me? How about meditating on Scripture? Lord, do you want me to do those things? Should we be redeeming those? Yes, but we're not doing them so He'll like us. Listen to this statement right here. The truth is fixed. So spiritual disciplines don't affect the truth. They affect my ability to live connected to the truth and be able to participate with the truth. Very important in today's world. There's so much deception, so much lying going on. Spend at least as much time with Jesus and in His Word as you do watching TV. Because if their lips are moving, they're lying. That's what I've found. (laughs) it's a funny joke but it's true i mean for the most part very important today so can i say it again spiritual disciplines if the lord asks you to fast it's not it's not so you can somehow affect truth it's so you can better participate with truth jesus already came to bear witness of the reality that truth exists and what's maddening in our culture is, we're, so many young people and old people alike think they have their own truth. Well, that's my truth. There is no such thing. There's only truth. <laughs> Spiritual disciplines help us be taught of the Lord. Everybody say taught of the Lord. So, so they help us be taught of the Lord and taught of truth rather than what the world's dishing out. Very important. Let's go back to Romans 8, 14 through 19. Man, I got to get cracking. My stars. All right, uh, Passion Translation. Romans 8, 14. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Spirit, led by the Spirit. You didn't receive the spirit of religious duty. That's not what spiritual disciplines are about, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. How many of you know there's two-way street in self-righteousness or self-centered, self-based righteousness. You're either going to feel like you're never good enough or you're going to think you're all that in a bag of chips because you fasted a day. Your fasting didn't change anything other than your ability to really participate with the realm of the Spirit. You're telling your flesh you're not in charge. And it needs to be told that. Amen? But you ever see the spirit of full acceptance. How about that? Full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. You'll never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, Abba, beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. The real reality. As he whispers in our spirit man, you are my beloved child. Oh, there's nothing better than that. Verse 17, And since we are his true children... We qualify to share in all of his treasures. We're heirs of God himself. And since we're one with Christ, we inherit all that he has, uh, all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. That's what the Lord was telling me in my, in my dorm room. Is, Steve, I already love you. I'm inside of you. I live within you. My love is present all the time with you. So we're joined to Him. We have all that He has, all that He is. I'm convinced, verse 18, that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that's to be unveiled within us. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning, what? To see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. Where? Here. Nobody in heaven needs your help. Thank God He didn't say the entire universe is standing on tiptoe ready to sing everybody will be happy when we're dead. Right. Yay, when we're gone. <laughs> and send the world plummeting to hell in a handbasket. That's not our job, amen? Yes. And if you're reading of Scripture, I said this last week, I'm going to say it again, doesn't increase your love for humanity, you're not reading it with Jesus. <laughs> you're a legalist. if you're reading the Bible is not enhancing your love for humanity to save and not destroy you're reading it wrong because as long as we're here man as long as we're here grace and peace let's reconcile the world to Jesus Christ doesn't mean we don't speak the truth We do, but we speak the truth in His love. Amen. All right, so Jesus' perfect theology, He never modeled transactional living. Could you imagine just seeing Jesus beg the Father for some money? Or, please, God, please, Father, just help me here, you know. If I heal this guy, would you love me more? Can you imagine Jesus healing people so the Father would like Him? No. You do not gain God through self-control. You gain self-control through submission to God's love. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. You walking in and under the influence of the Spirit, self-control is love's victory in your heart. We don't gain God through spiritual disciplines. We experience in greater measure the truth of our relationship with God. Christ has freely given us. He gave you the relationship and spiritual disciplines allow you to, to start experiencing the reality of uh, what you've been given. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 2 says, and I think it's verse 12, that the Holy Spirit is given to you to show you everything that's already freely yours in Christ. Really, seriously, read that. First Corinthians chapter 2, it's verse 12. You can read 9 through 14, it's all incredible. But verse 12 specifically says uh, he's there to show you everything that's already yours in Christ. So a key in spiritual disciplines is get in the habit of practicing spiritual disciplines when it's easy. Don't wait till you're in the pressure cooker. Start acclimating. Acclimate yourself at five AM when nobody's yelling at you in traffic. Acclimate yourself to the real truth. I have a good friend, Pastor Lee Armstrong down in Durant, Oklahoma. Part of his prayer and meditation time in the morning is this declaration. Father, I forgive anyone right now who may harm me today. He's just acclimating himself with the reality that in Christ I can forgive that person. That person is uh, forgiven. At least the price has been paid for their forgiveness. I can participate with that. Does that make sense to you? So we could pick any of these. I want to pick meditation this morning. I want to talk about meditation as a spiritual discipline uh, because the world's tried to pervert meditation and say it's the disengaging of the mind. Uh, It's not. Biblical meditation is engaging the mind with truth and with realities that are unseen but very, very real. The reality, I'm gonna engage my mind with the reality that even when I don't feel loved, I am loved by God. When I feel rejection and condemnation from the enemy, instead I'm gonna engage my mind, I'm gonna meditate on Romans 8-1 that there is no condemnation for Steve because he's in Christ Jesus. Does that make sense to you? I'm gonna engage my mind with the real reality that I'm forgiven even when I don't feel forgiven and the enemy's bashing my brains in. You've got to be able to access truth. Touch your neighbor and say, access truth. Touch him again say, it's super important. <laughs> Jesus included loving God with all your heart, mind. Jesus included that. Love God with all your mind. So we're giving our mind to Christ when we meditate on truth. We're giving our mind to him and exchanging it for the mind of Christ that we do have. We're putting on the new man. We have to start. If you if you spend no time meditating on truth, I'm asking you need to start spending time meditating on the real reality. If you don't, the enemy's going to clean your clock through the natural realm and your five physical senses. He will clean your clock, guys. Start spending time meditating on what is true. True about God. True about you. And guess what? It's not just true about you. It's true about your children. It's true about your coworkers. He loves them too. You need to engage with that. He died for them too. Engage with that. Your mind is the gateway to the heart. I encourage you to write that down and do a study on that. The mind is the gateway to the heart. And according to Matthew 13, Jesus Christ, your heart is soil. So it's like this sifting mechanism. Like you see flour. Uh, honey, what's that thing called that you put flour in? Oh, it's a sifter? <laughs> yeah, watering pail. Big revelation. You can tell I spend a lot of time in the kitchen. So the sifter, the brain's a sifter, the, and, and so it allows things to settle in your heart. And I wish your heart only grew good, godly seed, but it doesn't. You you can allow seeds of hate in your heart, and it'll grow up and produce fruit. You can allow bitterness in your heart, and it'll grow up and it'll corrupt your thinking. I wish your heart, which is soil, only grew truth. But it doesn't. So that's why you need to partner with the Holy Spirit every day, making sure that what I'm meditating on is true. It's spirit and it's truth. Man, that's powerful, isn't it? How many of you have ever stayed awake all night long? Pon- well, a couple of hours, we'll say. <laughs> I already got hands going up. How many of you stayed awake all night or a few hours pondering worst-case scenarios? You ever done that? Then you know how to meditate. Just trade all that death and garbage for meditating on truth instead. But pastor, I'm afflicted. Yeah, well the Word says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers us out of them all. But pastor, you know, I'm feeling sick. Yeah, but God's Word says by His stripes you are healed. Meditate on truth. Don't meditate on death. Worry is nothing more than you meditating on the devil's lies. That's where worry comes from. We meditate, we ponder over and over again, worst case scenarios, or what's going to happen to me, or man, trust God. Put your faith in Him. Amen, somebody. Biblical meditation. What is it? To think upon over and over again, to ponder. Look at this, to image and to visualize you've got to quit imaging death or imaging somebody getting their just desserts. Visualize the victory you already have in Christ. Visualize the truth. Jesus told Pilate, one of the reasons I'm here is to bear witness, to give evidence of the realm of truth. It may be unseen to the natural man, but it's very real and it's the parent reality that every human being came from. I'm trying to get them back to abiding in truth. That's the realm they came from. Let me get them back to abiding in spirit. That's the realm they came from. That's life to them, not the natural world. The natural is a reality, but it's not the greater one. Greater is he who's within you than he that's outside of you. The parent reality. Look at this, to reflect upon, to study, to consider deeply, and to speak. Oh my goodness. There's people that meditate day and night on death and negativity. And we hear the fruit of their meditation come out of their mouth. Cause the meditation of your, your heart and mind is directly connected to the words of your mouth. And I'll show you that in scripture. But do you know anybody like that? No, there's nobody here like that. But <laughs> all they do is meditate on negativity. They just rehearse it and disperse it. Nurse it like a baby. We love listening to them, right? We love being around those people. Just full of negativity and death all the time. (laughs) I'm just kidding. We love them though. They're just struggling. Meditation is a form of prayer because it's a form of listening and aligning ourselves with God. His Word, His truth, His presence, His love, His Son, His Spirit. We're aligning ourselves with Him through meditation. Uh, the the, the uh, Greek New Testament definition of the word prayer is a divine exchange. You're exchanging your desires for His. That's what prayer is. That's what meditation is. I'm just going through a transformation here in truth. My desires corrupt in the flesh for His desires. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the right desires. (laughs) Can I get a witness that the desires of your heart are different on the days that you've delighted yourself in the Lord than when you're not? So, let's say it this way. Delight yourself in the Lord, He'll give you the right desires, and then He'll give you the desires that are in your heart that are His desires. Amen. So, well, I've said all of that. What else do you want me to say, Lord? <laughs> oh, yeah. Speak. One of them is to speak. So the most important voice in this world to you is the Lord's voice. The second is your voice. So speak life over yourself. Speak life over your children. Speak life over your grandkids. Speak life over your spouse. Well, you don't understand what she's like. Well, then she needs life. Amen. Speak life to her, even if it makes her mad. It'll be like heaping burning coals on her head. Right? That's what Corinthians says. I don't think it's talking about real physical coals. Speak life. Stop putting the devil out of a job. Some of you accuse yourselves day and night. The devil doesn't. He just peeks in. is like, well, they got it. I'm, I'm out of a job here. No accusing to be done here. They're doing it all. Stop beating yourself up. The second most important voice in this world is yours. Start speaking life over yourself. Where's Brother Matt? Matt, raise your hand. Matt Bacon's one of our worship leaders here, great drummer, great guitar player, etc., etc. Matt's going to join me on live stream this Wednesday night at 6.30. I I want you to listen to this because not even a year ago when he and I started meeting on a regular basis, he had believed a lie that the good Christian life, and he'd been in church many, many, many years... But he had believed a lie that the good Christian life was no longer available for him. He had made too many mistakes. His dad, his family, his upbringing, too much had gone wrong. And he judged himself unworthy of life in the truth. He's going to share that uh, in way more detail on Wednesday night. But guys, we got to learn to see life and speak life within ourselves. And stop judging ourselves unworthy worthy psalm 1914 i'll wrap up with this look at this guys let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight O lord my strength and my redeemer wow so first of all what's acceptable before the lord truth Philippians 4.8, write that one down. I won't get to it today. Whatever is pure, whatever is just, whatever is worthy of praise, think on these things. Literally meditate again and again. Think upon these things. What's true about you? What's true about your spouse? Meditate on that. You're not saying you don't see the ugliness or the other side, but if you're going to meditate on something, don't meditate on death about them. Meditate on truth. I, I know your boy acting up, but find the truth about him and start meditating on it. Oh, I'm preaching good right now. <laughs> whatever true, whatever is just, let the meditation of my heart be acceptable. Those things are acceptable. Scripture, uh, scripture is acceptable. Spirit is acceptable. Truth is acceptable. Jesus is acceptable. Let these be your meditations. And then don't lose sight of the fact that the words of your mouth come directly out of the meditations of your heart. That's what I was saying earlier. We know people that meditate on death and fear and worst case scenarios and we hear the fruit of their meditation. Let's let the world hear the fruit of our meditation as we shift in the body of Christ and within Grace Church to stop meditating on death. Let's recapture spiritual disciplines from a grace perspective. I'm not earning anything. It is my joy to sit with the one who saved me. It's my joy to sit with the one who's already accepted me in the Beloved. It's my joy to sit with and listen to the one who's already made me one with himself. Amen. Boy, that's powerful. Amen? Amen. Go ahead and give God praise. That's powerful. Stand to your feet. Team, you guys can go ahead and come back. My goodness. Wow. My goodness. Did you get Philippians 4, 8, and 9? Read that one. We'll talk about it next week. As you meditate, truth becomes the lens you look through. That's what we want. We want, we want Truth to be the lens you look through Not the worldly natural Perspective Thank you Jesus I also want to make mention I did mention Philippians 4 8 the true You book where's Jody Jody do we get any Of those in okay So we're out of the true you because they keep mentioning It but we will have some this week Or you can order one off amazon.com Page three and four Of the true you are what I call acceptable daily meditations. Acceptable daily meditations because it's all the truth about you. Look at this. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Jesus included loving God with all your mind. Let's begin to meditate on that. Romans 8, 5, and 6, those who live according to the flesh, how do they do it? They set their minds on the flesh. People who live according to the Spirit, that's us. That's our desire. How do we do it? We set our minds on the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. That's like the fish on the beach. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That's The Spirit and truth is our water. It's where we live and move and have our being. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you'd say, Brother Steve, I've never accepted Jesus Christ into my heart. I've, I've never known He was alive in the present tense, but I want to hear His voice. I want to know Him inside of my heart. If that's you, would you slip your hand up and say, Brother Steve, pray for me. I want to be born of the Spirit this morning. I want to invite Jesus Christ into my heart to begin to know Him. Thank you, Brother John. Anybody else say, I want to make this decision to receive Christ by the Spirit in my heart. Anybody else? Let's pray together with Brother John. Say this after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning to receive you in the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart. Lord Jesus, thank you for lifing me I receive You. And now purpose. To walk with You. Because of You, Lord, I'm reconciled. I'm alive on the inside. All my sins are forgiven. And You're going to teach me how to love. Thank You, Jesus. I declare with my mouth and I believe in my heart. You are Lord. And you are my Savior. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody. said, amen. Congratulations, John. Bless you. Bless you. Let me pray for the church. Father, I thank you this morning that we at Grace Church are making a decision to redeem spiritual disciplines. And we're not just going to do something for you. We're going to sit with you and ask, what would you like for us to do? And, Lord, that we're going to do it from a new covenant lens. But, Lord, we want to be able to begin to meditate on truth. I pray for those that really struggle, people that struggle sleeping because of fear or anxiety. I break that off of you in the name of Jesus Christ. The enemy has no gain lot nor portion over you or your sleep time. And, Lord, that we engage now full on with truth. May the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable, Lord, because it's set on you we love you and we love each other in Jesus name everybody said amen come on give him praise one more time let's sing this together before we dismiss let's worship and bless the Lord together you've been listening to Grace Church advancing God's kingdom one heart at a time for more visit us online at Gracechurch